What's good, people? It's your boy Caesar here, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club, and you know where to find me at C Says C E A S E S A Y S. What's good, people? So, doing this a few days after the City game, um, with a bit of perspective, you know, I think we all saw what we saw. We got taken to the slaughterhouse. They absolutely butchered us, served us on a plate, finished their dinner and then did the dishes too. So we got done completely. So wanting to kind of take a few days to kind of think and see, you know, how I felt about the whole thing after watching the game. Like many of you, I think the level is clear. The difference between the two sides is clear. We are on stage three of five. Um, if Arteta is to be believed about the process that they're, they're going through to sort of rebuild the club. And i got to say, it's been a phenomenal season so far. Um, while it's still mathematically possible, anything could happen. But I think we know now that City have hit that stride. And unless they have some kind of catastrophic, cataclysmic collapse in one of their remaining games, they will very much go on to win the title. And they are the best team in the league, so it would track that they would do so. It means the three, pe- three titles in a row. You know, we're talking, what, five out of the last six Premier League titles have gone to them. It is very much their era of dominance, and that doesn't look like changing anytime too, anytime soon. Say for maybe Newcastle coming through and turning the Premier League into, a, you know, a rerun of La Liga with two teams who are dominant and everybody else chasing. But it's it's far too easy to say that, and far too soon. Right now, all we do know is that City are head and shoulders the best team in the league, probably the best team in the world. The only team that can match them, I think, at this point, are who City will be playing in the Champions League semi-final and we'll see what happens there. So it'll be an interesting matchup. But for our purposes and for what we care about, we've still got a way to go to match the levels that they can reach. And that, to be honest, is fine in that we have a process we're going through. We came from a terrible place that we should never have been in to doing much better. And so we're in a space where for the majority of the season, we've been able to compete, but on the pitch between the two sides, we haven't been. Now, in previous games this season, we have been much closer to them. We've had the potential to win either of those games. And as we said, you know, a combination of just a lapse, a lapse in concentration at one moment and a couple of individual errors. And, you know, they take the, they take both games away from us. But in this one, this was pure and simple being outgunned, outclassed, outmatched. So there really wasn't more to it. City now won 12 straight league games against us with a scoreline of 33 goals to five. And I think one of the things that's just brutal about this result is it's a it's a throwback to what we hoped was a bygone era where we'd go to the Etihad, get absolutely rolled over and then, you know, sent home with, with our tails between our legs. We thought we'd put on a much better show, or at least we hoped we would put on a much better show. And yeah, we, we got absolutely worked. I mean... We haven't beaten them since the days of the Santee Coquelin pivot 
And that is a very long time to go without winning a game. I mean, lesser clubs have got a result in that time. So for us to have got zero results in 12 league games against them is appallingly bad. It's just a really, really bad result. And no matter how much money they've spent and what they've done, at some point, you have you have to, to 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 get a result against them. So to lose and lose that badly is is awful. And I think another thing is that it wasn't like we, you know, fought valiantly, played to our absolute best and just got rolled. We were bad. They were really, really good. They made us look worse than we were, but we weren't good. The, the we we had maybe one brief moment um in the first half, and I mean a literal moment. Um, and then we had a few spells in the second half, at which point City were playing at, you know, playing in second year and pretty much giving us the ball. There was one point in the second half where City were literally putting their studs on the ball and playing at walking pace. It was embarrassing, to say the least. So, yeah, I don't think personally any amount of changes would have changed the result. I think we still would have got beat, even if we'd played three at the back, even if we'd played a double pivot. But I do think... And I, I wasn't saying this before, so on, this is on reflection. I do think a double pivot would have made more sense to cover some of the central spaces that they were exploiting to provide more cover to the defence. I still think they would have battered us. But I don't think it would have been anywhere near as chastening, if that makes sense. Um, but they absolutely mauled us. I think there was a time we could have played City and won, but that was three months ago, four months ago, five months ago, we are nowhere near them. The the way we played in the last few weeks and the way they've been playing in the last few weeks, we've literally sort of gone in opposite directions. So what can you do? You can't be, well, you can be because I think a lot of us are, but you can't be too disheartened by getting beaten by the best team in the world. Again, arguable with Madrid, but we're going to find out soon enough. So yeah, for us, for our team, we need to find a way to finish strong. Um, we can't let the finish just peter out. We can't go out of a whimper. This team has played too well for this season to be remembered for what we didn't do in the final weeks. We have to go back to playing like we did in the early months of the season. You know, show teams that this isn't just a... And, it's, and I say show teams, it's not about convincing other teams that we're good. It's more about showing your level right because we have we have to continue on this journey that we're doing we have to rebuild we have to get in more players we have to get in more quality players so we have to show that this isn't a moment in time but something that's sustainable we have to put the fear in god into teams so that they don't even try to come at us they they give up before they walk on the pitch that's what we that's the place we got to part way through the season and then we kind of lost our way a bit so we need to go back to that because the fear factor is important it does impact how teams play you um so we need to get back to that so as for this game you know there was a lot of conversation before the match about Arteta trying a different approach he said after the game um we have to be loyal to what got us here and I kind of understand what he means it's not about being stubborn and just kind of doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result like the definition of madness it's it's more about the trust of the players you have a system the system has worked the players know it if you deviate from it the first sign of trouble, the players will lose confidence potentially in you and in that system, which you don't want. I think the difficulty here is we were already in a bad way. And I I think the, the attempt to get the players to forget the last few weeks and just try to 
get back to playing our way was something, you know, I was saying we should try and do, but it, it didn't work. Clearly we were in a worse way. And so the players weren't going to be able to just sort of turn it around and try to go back to, to playing our football. I think they, they tried in some instances, but the commitment to our football just wasn't there and we got rolled over. So Man City did something interesting. Their, their 11 was Edison, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Akanji, De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan, Silva, Erling Haaland and Grealish. Walker, someone who's been out of the side recently, has come back in and, you know, Pep said it, Walker can't play the um, sort of inverted, well, I suppose, midfielder reverting into to, to right back or, um, you know, uh, reverting into left-back kind of position that they've been playing with Stones, where Stones plays in midfield and drops into defence to support. So with Walker on the pitch and Stones at centre-back, or at least that's how it appeared, it looked like City were going to more of a 4-3-3. Um, in actuality, what they went into was more of a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1, depending on the situation, with um, KDB having enough space to just float if he needed to but it was essentially more of a 4-4-2 split forward situation to create space in our defense and it worked it completely worked they had us they had us in in defense they had us with our press and they had us in their own attacking shape it was um embarrassing at times we had ramsdale white holding gabriel zinchenko erdegaard party shaka saka jesus martinelli so we went with the same starting 11 and I'm I'm not mad at it because I as I said I don't think anything we did would have made it better. I think maybe going to a double pivot would have given us more stability defensively. So that probably would have been the only only option. But I don't think you know having Tierney at left centre back would have stopped Haaland monstering us, um, stopped De Bruyne sprinting on us. I don't think it would have changed anything. But it's clear that the holding situation uh, for the level we're going to, for the level we're trying to, he can't. He can't be there. That much is clear. And we'll go into that. I'm not I'm not chucking stones at a guy. I'm not piling on. It's not about holding being rubbish or being shit or being terrible. These are elite professional footballers. They're the best of the best. They're the one percent of their um of their field. So he's not shit or anything like that. But there are levels to this. And hopefully, you know, I'm not alone in seeing what we saw. Like we saw the levels, quite literally. We saw the side-by-side comparisons of the levels. And I think it's clear for the level we are, holding isn't there. For the level we're trying to get to, he's definitely not there. Um, and that was brought out by what happened. So, you know, it it's clear to me, at least, that the shape that we went, that we went for, um, we expected City to kind of do their usual 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three kind of thing, their variation of the... 325 that we do um but the fact that they they you know correctly assumed we'd carry on the same and they tweaked their formation slightly basically allowed for them to press us effectively and effectively draw in our press and beat it and the game was pretty much won the moment those tactics were decided really so yeah in the first half you know immediately you could see we were under stress it's one of those games where the moment the game kicks off you can see we are stressed immediately. Um, there's sort of one of the moments early in the game, Ben White gets the ball, hoofs it upfield. Um, and it's clear he does it because he does want to pass to Holding, who's by near, is damn near on our touchline. 
Um, the ball comes back immediately and City are on us. Uh, ball's played into Haaland, um, who puts it around the corner for Grealish, high on um, the left-hand side. City are all over us. He takes on White, drives to the byline, um, puts the ball into the area with a low cross. It's palmed out by Ramsdale. Party gets there ahead of De Bruyne. Um, De Bruyne kicks the back of his leg, goes down, shouts for a penalty, not given. Clear that Party got his leg in there and then De Bruyne came in afterwards. But you can already tell it's going to be a long, long, long evening. And so it proved. Within seven minutes, we were one nil down. To be fair, it was great work by City. It was clear they were drawing in the press. So they drew in the press. Diaz went to Edison. Edison went to Stones. Multiple Arsenal players sort of went bearing down on Stones to try and win the ball. Stones played one long ball under pressure, straight upfield to Haaland. Um, you know, pretty much all of our attack and the majority of our mid midfield got bypassed in that one moment with that one pass. Haaland holds off holding like he isn't there, just does it with consummate ease. And let's face it, Haaland's six foot five, built like a built like a monster. So, you know, it, it's that's not on holding. That's just Haaland doing what Haaland does. But holding you would want him to be a bit more aggressive. This is his game. You'd want him to make his presence presence known, and he just didn't. Haaland plays the ball around the corner. KDB runs off party, who just doesn't see him coming and all track his run. So KDB now is running through, towards goal, through the chasm left in the middle of our defence. By now, De Bruyne has a party and holding behind him. So if De Bruyne checks his run and slows his stride pattern at all, they'll catch up to him. He has Gabriel and White ahead of him, um, compressing the space to run through the defence. De Bruyne is running centrally at Gabriel first, then he shifts his run to the right and just unleashes an incredible low shot. It sort of bends around the past, uh, the post, the outside of the post, and then curves into the net past Ramsdale. It was a ridiculous finish that we've seen him do more than once, but it's, it's ridiculous every time you see it. The man is a cheat code. The levels he reaches are incredible. Um... The touch to set him off towards the right so that he can hit the ball sort of straight past Ramsdale is incredible and it's absolutely purposeful. It's one touch, it sets the ball to the right and it's, you know, his stride pattern is perfect. It's It lands exactly where it wants to so he can just hit it with his right foot and bend it past the keeper. It's crazy, the technique to score that. It looks like he just has a shot from range, but watch it again. Every action, including where he puts the ball so he can stride up to it to hit it, is done on purpose and it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And City were doing this all game. Um, you know, they were baiting us to press so that they could bypass us with ease. Now, we weren't trying to press as aggressively as we sometimes do, but ordinarily we usually try to win the ball up high, wide. So, you know, Erdegaard would trigger the press, he'll curve his run, the ball will sort of be passed around the back line. And then once it gets to one of the fullbacks, for example, a group of Aston players will press in and try to win the ball back. And suddenly we have a turnover with part of the defence sort of compartmentalised and cornered off by our press. So that's normally the idea. Um, you know, we win it wide, win the ball high, transition, and then use our overload on the other side of the attack, for example, to then um, create the chance. And City wanted this to happen. Um, it was a high-risk, high-reward strategy by them, but it's what they wanted you know, for example, you had Diaz, Akanji and Gundogan exchanging passes um, to try and trigger Odegaard's press. Walker, Stones and Rodri, they're doing the same on the other side, trying to get Martinelli and Shaka to press. Um, and for the goal, we're in a situation where Odegaard presses, ball goes to the keeper, keeper gives it to Stones and, you know, Martinelli, Odegaard, 
bunch of people all press him and Stones just, he sees them all barreling down on him and he just sends one ball straight up to Haaland. For the goal, obviously, Partey didn't track De Bruyne. De Bruyne just sprints past his blind side and just keeps going. Partey looked like he's running in treacle. I don't know whether he's injured or whether it's just bad form, but he has not looked um, he has not looked his usual self in terms of what he does on the pitch uh, for a few weeks now. So don't know what's going on there. Ramsdale, maybe you'll be disappointed, but personally, I just think it was a ridiculous strike. I, I, you know, it's always one of those things when a keeper gets beaten from distance at the near post, you think, you know, could they have done better? But I just think it was a ridiculous strike. I don't think you could pin that on Ramsdale, really. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things. And we're getting done all over the place. Um, without an out ball from centre-back, you know, they have Haaland, they can bring the ball up to De Bruyne as, you know, a pretty, pretty big guy himself. But we don't have that kind of up, build, up out ball up top. You know, Martinelli's not the biggest. Jesus is not the biggest. Um, uh, Saka's not the biggest. Erdogan's not the biggest. Shaka, he's obviously got the size, but, you know, he's got players like, um, you know, De Bruyne or, or Rodri who can, who can compete for the ball. So, yeah, no out ball meant that we were stuck, basically. If we got the ball sent back and they press us, we're just booting the ball out, out, out of touch. Holding did it multiple times. Ben White did it multiple times. Times where we just gave the ball away because we didn't have an out ball. So we didn't want to lose the ball high up the pitch, so we just boot it up, but they'd get the ball and it would be right back on us within two seconds. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to say. In terms of the shape, sometimes you saw party dropping deeper towards the right back position to try and help out um, holding and just try and help keep the ball. But it just meant there was a big chasm between party and Shaka and, you know, De Bruyne and Gundogan and Silva just attacked that space relentlessly. So there really wasn't much we could do. And City were playing with so much intensity, we really couldn't match it. Um, Jesus would say drop deep to try and win the ball. Stones would be all over him. So, yeah, City weren't and City weren't always targeting holding, for example, with their press. Sometimes um, Haaland would just sort of hover to let him know he was there. Other times he'd sort of run up, but not press intensively. But they'd press everyone around him to try and force the ball to holding and then press, knowing that holding would just boot the ball out or give it back to the keeper and the keeper would boot the ball out. So, yeah, there really wasn't much we could do. Um, we did have one... Um, sort of chance as it were free kick from Erdegaard sort of got headed wide tamely by by Gabriel but so far not even close to having a shot on target we did have a moment around the middle of the, the first half where there was a sort of we managed to string together a few nice passes um, Saka brought the ball down sort of ran at Akanji sort of got the ball to Erdegaard played across to Zinchenko um, you know passes Martinelli Shaka but eventually you know possession broke down and City got the ball and, and off they went Within minutes, though, we had another scare. Silver and Walker were sort of playing the ball around, did a bit of a one-two before Walker plays the ball infield. Ordinarily, that ball would have been the kind of pass that, you know, you'd lose possession in the middle of the pitch and you'd be fuming. But Haaland sort of sprinted to the centre of the pitch to try and retrieve it. Holding, who was even further away from the ball than Haaland was, so I have no idea what he's thinking. But Holding, sort of out of nowhere, sprints out of his hole to try and reach the ball to contest it. Haaland gets there first. Now, because Holding's jumped out of his hole, he leaves acres of space in behind him. Haaland pokes the ball um, forward. 
De Bruyne is onto it again, and he's sprinting again through another chasm left in the middle of our defence. As De Bruyne runs down on goal, he sort of goes outside and inside, and as he does, Gabriel just manages to get a touch on the ball, and, you know, White jumps in to make a fantastic block. Otherwise, that's definitely 2-0 right there. And, you know, we're even getting some of the... It's not just the defensive side of things. It's not just the fact that we can't play out or through their press. We're getting some of the basics wrong that we usually do. I mean, Odegaard's given the ball away um, around 27th minute. He did that. Haaland got the ball. He sort of faced up. Um, he's faced up sort of uh, two defenders. And, uh, yeah, sort of pincer movement, managed to sort of dance through, get a shot off, but saved by Ramsdale. And some of these players can't handle this game. You know, we're half an hour into the game by this point. We've had zero shots on target. It doesn't look like we're going to have a shot on target the entire game, the way the game's going. And it's it's a very simple thing. We press, they go long, and Haaland and De Bruyne are there to just monster us. Um, you know, I think Arteta tried to move us to a mid-block at one point to sort of reduce the degree to which we were getting drawn onto their press. The problem was that when he did that, we weren't pressing high, so we couldn't turn over the ball half the pitch. Um, but it also meant because it was more of a mid-block he was trying to play, we were sort of a bit higher up rather than in a low block. So there was still space in behind us, and we weren't high enough to attack the press. Sorry, we weren't high enough to sort of win the ball up high with a with a high, with an um, aggressive press. So essentially, we were just sort of trying to control the game by keeping them playing in the middle of the pitch. And we couldn't keep up with their passing. We couldn't keep up with their intensity. So they were just knocking the ball around us with ease. Um, you know, they could send the ball back to their defense and just put their studs on the ball. And we'd have to stand there watching or go and press, at which point they'd go past us. Or they'd knock the ball out in midfield. We'd try and keep up with the ball. They were passing around us and then boom, in the space in behind. So, you know, it's just, we had no answer, basically, for what they were trying to do. Um, by the time we were getting towards the end of the half, you know, Harlan could have had a hat-trick already. He had one shot saved, sort of uh, a quick chance he took, saved by Ramsdale, another shot saved by Ramsdale. It was just, it was brutal. Um, you know, towards the end of the half, City played for us way too easily. You know, Silver dropped the shoulder, goes past party, um, cut back to Harland, another save by Ramsdale. We did have another corner towards the end of the half, but it came to nothing. And, you know, yeah, it, it this it felt pretty hopeless, to be honest. It, it didn't feel like a game that was going to turn around at all. And, you know, the hope was to get to halftime, one nil down, and hopefully Arteta could come up with some kind of plan to to bring us back into the game. Unfortunately, that's not how it went because, of course, as we know, City, free kick, you know, 45 minutes plus one, whipped in, stones, header, looks like it's offside, VAR check, goal given, and it looks like Ben White got a shove in the back, which pushed him into playing stones onside. Now, in that position, White either needs to go down and, you know, sell the foul or he needs to sort of be stronger. But obviously, if a player runs up behind you, shoves you in the back, if you're not expecting the shove in the back, you can't really brace yourself for it. It is what it is. We go 2-0 down. And to be honest, it could have been 3 or 4. Um, well, we can be a bit aggrieved about whether or not it actually was offside because um, some of the angles weren't as conclusive. But I, number one, I think it was um, onside. And number two, they could have scored any number of goals. So for me, it's not something that I'm overly um, pressed about, to be honest, because we're lucky it, it didn't. Sort of, we're lucky we didn't go to half time three or four down if we're being honest so yeah 
um, half-time, 2-0 down, and unlike other games of City this season, we're nowhere near them. Um, I have no idea why we were all so tense throughout that Wednesday, because <laughs> judging by that game, it, it wasn't something that we were ever really going to be uh, in with a chance of winning miles clear of us. Their technical quality, the physicality, the able to both play through us and play long, just different levels. De Bruyne, Chico, different level. And yeah, another set-piece goal conceded. Um, as I said after the game at the Emirates, for me, one of the reasons why I felt like City would go on and win it was that we would drop more points than them in the running, which is why I felt like we needed an obscene buffer. You know, a buffer of 5.7 points wouldn't be enough. I, For me, I felt we needed a buffer of 8, 9, 10, 12 points um, going into these runner fixtures with, you know, from the Liverpool game onwards. I, you know, I felt like we needed a big buffer because we, for me, I just felt like it was going to be inevitable that there were going to be some dropped points just because we hadn't been there before because of the nerds. And this is what happens in run-ins. The teams that go on to win the league drop very few points and the teams who challenge tend to drop multiple. And that's that's what happens. So, you know, for me, it became pretty, pretty clear um, what, what the end result was going to be um, after that Emirates game. But, you know, you maintain hope, right? That's one of the things about being a, a, a fan and following this crazy sport that we all love is that you have endless amounts of hope that this time could be different. And as we've already said, obviously, the season is not over yet. It's not been decided. So you never know. There's there's still there's still a chance, but not much of one. Um, and by halftime, you know, the stats by Canon Stats um, say out clearly, we're obviously 2-0 down. They've got 1.2 expected goals to our 0.1. Eight shots to our two, six on target. We've had zero. They've had 60% possession, 60.3%, and a 62% field tilt. Um, you know, they've had 21 deep touches to our seven. That's the kind of stats we usually put up on other teams. Um, yeah, so it, it's just, it, yeah, it was just disappointing all round, to be honest, I think. And the only thing more disappointing than that was the fact that we had to sit for another 45 minutes of them just monstering us. So, Arteta tweaked the defence slightly in the second half. We went slightly lopsided, so Gabriel sort of shifted over to the right to help out holding more. And that meant, you know, the likes of Martinelli and Shaka just dropping a little bit deeper to the left um, to try and balance it out. I can't say that it worked because City were doing what they wanted with us at this point. Um, and I think they really could have got as many goals as they wanted in this game. They basically weren't over-exerting themselves, and I suspect that's because of the fixtures they've got coming up. They wanted to sort of conserve some energy, so they really didn't go at us in the second half to try and, you know, turn this into uh, an embarrassing scoreline. But yeah, they they certainly carried on the second half like they did the first. There's one moment where Carl Walker just shielded Zinchenko off the pitch like he was just, you know, boying off his little brother. It was, um, yeah, he little broed him for sure. Um, 52 minutes in, and it's just, you know, my observation is just it's too easy for them. You know, there's a long kick from City. Gabriel's Harlan to the back of him and he just spins Gabriel and runs in behind him. I've not seen anyone do that to Gabriel all season. Spun him like he wasn't there. Harlan's pace meant that no one was going to get near him. He runs, he runs through clear on goal. Low shot saved by Ramsdale. And Ramsdale number one, you know, again, to the rescue. If it wasn't for him, the scoreline would have been embarrassing to say the least but it wasn't long before City would of course get another goal and yeah um, 
we have the ball in midfield. Odegaard sells a short pass to Partey, who can't reach it. De Bruyne steals it away, nicks it past Partey into Haaland. City now breaking us. De Bruyne uh, spin, sprints past Partey, who's sort of on the turn. So De Bruyne leaves him away. It's now a two-on-two. All of our players sort of go to try and um, press Haaland. No one sees um, De Bruyne pull over to the left. Haaland plays De Bruyne in. He takes a couple of touches and then just passes the ball through Holding's legs, past Ramsdale into the net. And uh, that's 3-0. The team looked utterly dejected, and it's kind of easy to see why. So, you know, at some point in that second half, we needed to make some subs, and Arteta uh, duly did. He brought on Trossard and Jorginho, took off party and Martinelli. Martinelli completely anonymous in the game, didn't even know he was on the pitch. Party poor all game, to be honest. I was a bit worried about Jorginho coming on the pitch and, you know, essentially City just playing past him, but we're 3-0 down. And to be fair, in the game at the Emirates, Jorginho did play quite well in, in that game. So um, you buy him an incredibly experienced player to play in these type of tough situations. So, um, so yeah, I let's face it, he wasn't going to do any worse than Pai did on the day. So, so yeah, um, for me, maybe Saka and Ramsdale, other than the subs, the subs did really well. But the subs aside, other than Saka or Ramsdale, I don't think anyone else did themselves justice or could hold their heads up and say that they they played with any kind of pride. I think just the two of them really and everybody else, again, the subs did well when they came on. But of the starting 11, just Saka and Ramsdale, I think everybody else will have to have a look at themselves and their performance. Um, on the City side of things, it wasn't just that they looked tactically better. It wasn't that they looked technically better. It was that they looked physically better. The, the matches up, the matchup physicality-wise between the players was a massive, massive thing I took away from the game, which probably explains why the likes of Caicedo and Rice have been on the shopping list for our for our midfield. Um, and by this point, by the time we make the subs, we have a lot more of the ball, but we're not really doing anything with it. Smithrow comes on and Odegaard comes off. Um, and I don't know whether that's some kind of low-key punishment to bring Smithrow on when they're 3-0 down, when he hasn't been able to get a game for months, but it might also be an opportunity to say, right, bringing you on in the game, we're facing adversity, what can you do? Or it could have just been Smithrow had attributes to do what Arteta wanted in this specific game. It remains to be seen how much time he gets going forward, but I was interested to see him on the pitch just to see what, what he would do in this situation, even though, you know, really the, the race was run. We did have a free kick in the second half, which Saka sent over. Um, and as I said, by now, the game's being played at borderline walking pace. It's just too easy for, for Man City. Um, and I suppose in some instances, if we wanted any hope of getting out of there and not being embarrassed, you kind of want the game killed off, actually. So, um, yeah, if we could have got out of there just a 3-0, it would have been bad, but you're hoping maybe just maybe kind of like when uh, City played Leicester and they had them beat, you know, Leicester had their chances, right? Madison had a chance, which he missed. Inacho had a chance, he missed. So you're thinking maybe we might be able to snatch one if they take their foot off the gas. Nelson comes on um, and Nketiah comes on, Jesus and Saka go off. And yeah, we look a lot better. Trossard looks really, really good. Um, his first touch the way he traps balls bring down balls is his close control play the way he brings other people into the game fantastic nelson is showing you know an injection of pace and energy he's looking like a player who it would make some sense to give him a new contract either he's able to step up the level and deputize in in certain games or 
you keep him, give him some more minutes, build his value and sell him for a decent price. But Nelson certainly looks like a player who recently has been coming off the bench and impacting games. And if he can do that, then he could potentially be a part of this squad moving forward. But he looks good and he looked good in this game coming on. Eddie looked all right, did well in moments. But again, I don't think this was a game for him, but glad he came on because he looked better than what we had before. Um, Smithrow looked okay, really, but you know didn't really do too much of note in in the final minutes but again looked better than what we had before and you know by now sort of with close to maybe 10 minutes or so to the end of the game and news is filtering through Brighton have lost so it is official Arsenal have Champions League football confirmed for 2023 and 2024 and in other circumstances we would all be absolutely celebrating that but of course we're in the middle of getting absolutely beaten the shit out of so it's not really the time for celebrations, I don't think. But, of course, it is something to to um, be positive about because we spent the last six years trying to get back to the promised land and we've done it. So um, it's not something that should go by, um, go go unnoticed. And obviously, in the, in the wake of the City game, now us being able to look forward to the rest of the season, to some degree, with no pressure because for, for a lot of us, it feels like the title race is run. So... You know, we should hopefully be able to go into the next run of games with no pressure, but that remains to be seen. For the rest of the game, um, you know, there was still a little bit more to, to happen. Uh, we had one one moment, great run by Nelson, sprinting through the lines, showing real energy, plays it wide to Enketia. Felt a bit weird that Enketia, uh, Nelson was playing wide to Enketia rather than the other way around, but game state, that's how these things go. In any case, Enketia plays a ball across the six-yard box, but there's no one there to put it in and ordinarily... Inketia would be the one to be there to put it in, but that's how their things go. We do manage, of course, to get a goal back in the most humorous of circumstances. Um, we had a corner kick that was cleared out, um, ball in midfield. Zinchenko swings the ball out to Trossard, who's wide on the right. Um, he's been lively since coming on, like we said. He plays the ball infield to Nelson and then immediately makes a run in behind his marker. Nelson wins the ball, uh, spins round. He spins away from Rodri, gives the ball to Jorginho. Jorginho has been pressed by Silva, plays the ball in first time behind the City defence into Trossard, who's continued his run. Trossard takes a couple of touches and gets a nudge in the back. Off balance, he still manages to poke the ball towards Holding, who sweeps a great side-footed finish past Edison into the back of the net. Now, it's hilarious after all the criticism, all the talk and, you know, all the hubbub about Holding, he'd be the one to get on the score sheet in the game. Um, I joked a few backs, uh, uh, joked a few weeks back online about sort of wanting to see Holding score a screamer in the running, kind of like Michael Keane's winner against Spurs. I quote to you the the goal. Now, it wasn't a screamer and it wasn't a winner, but shit, I'll I'll take it. A a really good finish, brilliant work by the three subs to combine, another assist by Trossard, and with every minute he's on the pitch, it looks more and more like a player who should be starting for us. You know, football very much is, or should be, a meritocracy. And so if Arteta is awarding performances, Trossard should should be starting, should be on the bench. And as I said, Trossard, Eddie, Nelson, all you know, all good since coming on. But again, to be fair, City have been playing second gear. You know, they're on cruise control the entire second half. To be honest, the re- the, the rest of the the half city barely break into a sweat. They barely break into a jog at times. We've accepted the result. They appear to have too. They're so relaxed that Haaland fully lets his hair down. I'm talking full-blown L'Oreal commercial in the middle of the Etihad while we're being stomped out in front of a global audience. 
did not like that. Gotta say, that just felt that felt like a proper piss take. It really doesn't matter in the grand schemes, but it felt like a proper piss take. So naturally, naturally in that situation, after letting his hair down and you know, letting his golden mane flow, he he adds insult to injury. Not being satisfied with the two assists he already has, he adds insult to injury by scoring and breaking the record for the most number of goals scored in a 38-game season. We have the throw-in. You know, the ball is hoofed upfield again. It's headed right back towards us, which has been happening all game. And it lands right on the edge of the D. Foden plucks the ball out of the air. Um, Sublime touch, to be fair, if you watch it back. Holding goes to challenge him, but doesn't get anywhere near it. Meanwhile, our defence, its shape in tatters. There's acres of space in the middle of the box. Gabriel doesn't see holding, uh, see Haaland running across him from his blind side. Foden just brings the ball down, touches the ball past holding. Haaland's sprinted past Gabriel, adjusted his, stri- his stride pattern, and just swept the ball past Ramsdale, hair flowing in his face as he does it. 4-1. And a scoreline that, to be honest still flattered us because it could have easily been six or more. And that's not including the half chances. Harlan literally let his hair down and bodied us at the same time. It was annoying. And that goal will basically be on repeat for years because it's the goal that broke the record. So the only way we're not going to keep seeing that goal again and again and again is if Harlan goes on to break his own record. So make that make sense or you know for one of us to to uh to do it next season so fingers crossed for that right in any case 4-1 they annihilate annihilate us game done um and yeah it was a bruising loss i think the best team in the country showed they were the best team in the country and that was that was it Arteta spoke after the game and said, the fact that we're competing with them toe-to-toe is incredible. Um, We're not going to give up. We have to accept that we have lost to an exceptional team and that's the level. And that's the reality of it. I mean, when you think about it, Martinelli had 11 touches while Holding had 89. That kind of tells you what kind of game we had, really. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what it was. So despite the fact that we were completely outplayed, outgunned, outmatched all over the pitch, um, I think there are some realities we need to face. Now, obviously, the conversation has been about holding for some time. And at some point, you have to say it falls on the manager to keep selecting a player who can't cope at this level. Um, That's how people will feel about it. But equally, I just don't think there is an alternative option that is really that palatable, um, or at least not one that we've seen. I know people have spoken about Parsi being able to play being able to play at right back. And while I think he can, number one, he's been rubbish for the last few weeks. And number two, he played right back in a Simeone system. We don't play a Simeone system, so we don't know what he'd look like at right back, bar a few minutes in a game we'd already won. So yeah. Um I do think that the opposition tell you about yourself though, and what they told us is that Holden can't play at this level. Um that's that their entire tactic was well, go ahead, play play the ball out, play the ball your feet at the back and see what happens. And yeah, there was one point where Holding was being pressed by Haaland um, towards the um, right defensive half space. And in those, in those occasions, we've seen Saliba before, you know, drop a shoulder, get away from the player, use his pace to separate and, and play the ball. 
this one, you know, holding just smashed it into the into the crowd, and rightly so because he would have, you know, he would have got absolutely monstered if he tried to do anything else. And as I said before, it's not really about holding so much as it's about not having Saliba. But what I would say is that for the level we're trying to get to, even as a backup, holding it's in it. Now your fourth choice, third choice, fourth choice centre back, your fourth choice centre back, which I think holding is because I think Tommy Asu probably would have would have been third choice. Your fourth choice centre back isn't going to be great, but it doesn't mean that I think so. But I think what I'm trying to say is, while holding isn't at the level that we're trying to get to, he's also not the right fit for the football we play. And that's the confounding factor. It's not just that he's not good enough for what we want to do. It's that the style of defender he is doesn't match what we're trying to do. So if you have another defender who maybe isn't as good as Saliba, but at least is a right fit for the system, you can at least still try to play your football and you might still lose, but you have a better shot because you can at least still play the football you want to play. With holding in the side, we can't even play the football you want to play. Now, I maintain that City were just better so I'm not even convinced we win that game if Saliba's in it. But we have more of a chance. And if nothing else, we may lose the City game, but we probably don't lose to Southampton or West Ham. Um, but that's my feeling on it. Um, I know people will point to those games and say, well, which of the goals was holding responsible for? And it, I think that is quite a narrow perspective because, number one, for any goal, um, that scored, you could probably point to multiple failures um, that have led to the goal. And number two, it's less about him being responsible for the individual goals in each of those games and more about what the team couldn't do overall for the entirety of the game with him in it. And that's that's really kind of the point. Um, if your overall play is better and you can do more of what you want to do, you maybe don't concede those goals because you do more of what you want to do. Um but obviously, these are all ifs and buts and hypotheticals, which really we don't need to go on. At this point, I think we know um, the situation with the squad. We know what needs to change. So the question inevitably is just going to be, um, what does Arteta do for the rest of the season in terms of does he persist with holding at the back and just playing the same way? Or does he adjust for the final games of the season to try and sort of salvage um, the remainder of the season because we can't go on a Chelsea-esque run and just start dropping points to Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton and, you know, go seven games without a win. That would be... That that would be disappointing to the point of unpalatable. Um, so I think, I think Arteta's got some thinking to do there. Or is it the case that now the pressure's off, actually the team will just play their football, you know, Newcastle have top four sewn up really. I think it, it's not it's not completely done, but it's about as done as possible. Um, Chelsea, you know, they haven't won in I don't even know how many games, and they're what ten points off the relegation zone. If we don't beat them, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fuming. Um, so maybe he's thinking, you know, this team, right? They got mauled by City, but this team can beat other teams. So maybe he just persists. So I'll be curious to see what he does there. Um, so yeah, I don't ultimately I don't think we bottled it. I just think City caught up, have reached their level and they've done it at the right time and we just sort of run out of steam at the wrong time. Plus, obviously that that I think was precipitated by two key injuries that have um yeah, that just badly impacted us. It's that cluster, right? It's losing Saliba and Tomiyasu in the same fucking game. And I remember that game. I was there um at the Emirates on that night 
and Saliba just sat down. He just sat down. Nothing happened. It, I, I don't, you know, if anyone saw anything, feel free to tell me, but nothing happened. He just sat down, which tells me he had that injury already. He was clearly playing through it and it got too much. That that clearly is what it is because, yeah, he just sat down on the pitch. The Tommy Asu one was weird because it just, clearly he sort of stretched for the ball. One foot got caught in the turf and just, you know, rip, tear, whatever it is. So to lose those two players on the same side of the defence at the same time and, you know, both relatively long-term. You know, if you told me that Saliba, his one wasn't that bad and he was only out for a couple of weeks or you said Tommy Asi was only out for a couple of weeks, it'd be different, but they were two long-term injuries in that same area of the pitch and we thought we had enough cover um, and we did numbers-wise, but not not talent-wise, I think. And that's just, that's where we are. Um, so, yeah, I... <sighs> It, it it's a it's a weird night and a confusing night and I think over time the feeling will fade ever so slightly particularly if we can end the season well then the feeling will fade but it's a weird one because the same night you know we qualified for the Champions League and Arteta did that thing that he was brought in to do that you know after doing it successfully for you know 20 plus years Wenger failed to do then Emery failed to do then Arteta failed to do for the first three years the He's finally done the thing that he was brought in to do. That is to get us back into Champions League and challenging for the league. He has done that. Arteta has done the thing that he was brought here to do. Get us into the Champions League and challenge for the league title. The problem is we achieved those things. And right around the time we did, City ramped up to another level. And we've seen that level. And so it's chastening because right when we get to where we've been trying to get to this whole time, City go stratospheric with it. And that's just, you know, I'm saying all of this, Liverpool fans listening, they will be very familiar with, <laughs> they will be very familiar with this situation. So, you know, it's us going through it. And yeah, who knows what happens in next year and the year after and the year after. You know, we're in a good place to kick on, add quality to this team and and go and do something special. This team definitely needs more trophies. Um, you know, I don't care whether it's League Cup F. I mean, I do care, obviously, but obviously I want the big one. I want the big ones. But, you know, they definitely need to add a few domestic cups um, to to the cabinet as well. But also, there there is going to be a need to look at the sort of squad depth situation because one of the arguments that readily gets put out is that, you know, well, you can't have a team with X many quality players or this many starting level players or yada, yada, yada. If you want to get to the latter stage of the Champions League, then you you need to be able to rotate given the number of games and the intensity of the games and sometimes the lack of recovery period in between. Because often it's not the intensity and it's not the number of games, it's the recovery period in between each games and the accumulation of those minutes without that adequate recovery that it's those compounding factors that lead to the kind of issues that players have towards the end of seasons. So you need players who are physically robust to handle it and you need play enough players to rotate and get minutes without your level dropping. And the problem we had is the moment we start to rotate, our level drops too much. So that that's really the next phase of it. So yeah, this just tells us how far away we are. Um, Tim Stillman did a really good piece for Ask Blog where he 
you know, he quoted the um, he quoted Klopp uh, when he was Dortmund manager talking about Bayern, saying, you know, I paraphrase, we have a, a bow and arrow, they have a bazooka. Now look, we are the Arsenal. We are no paupers, right? We've we've got money. We've got a billionaire owner. But you know, City, it's a different breed, right? It's it's a bit like it's a bit like if you won the lottery, right? Let's say you won the lottery and you have ten million pounds in your bank account. You can whip out your phone, show it to your friends, show them your like mobile banking app, and they can see ten million pounds sat in your bank account, right? And all of your friends are just sort of regular regular salary guys on regular salaries just you know doing their nine to five yada yada yada, whatever it might be so you're the millionaire friend in your group of friends and you feel rich until you meet a billionaire with a capital b and then you realize what rich really is right there's rich and then there's wealthy right we're rich they are wealthy there's a difference so we've added the likes of Zinchenko and Jesus, um, Trossard too. And it's easy to see why, why players, the profile of the likes of Rice and Cansado are being, you know, touted with the kind of running power they have. You know, we have the likes of Partey and his ability to sort of recover the ball, play a position by himself and sort of get the ball upfield. You can see why that's so important to the style of play we have. You see how much of an overload it gives us up the field. But if he's injured, not fit, off form, you see immediately that he can't do it. And given the age profile of Shaka and Party, um, and given the amount of work we've done in midfield and attack, it's obvious that midfield would sorry, the amount of work we did in defense and attack, it's obvious midfield would be next. But um it's also obvious that the pace, the running power, the physicality is a thing in our midfield. We need to be able to keep up with teams who up the intensity on us. Um, the amount of times in the game where a City player picked up the ball and just literally ran the length of the field with the ball, one penalty box to the other. And our players couldn't keep up. You know, in our midfield, Rodri, uh, Rodri and Odegaard, it was, you know, we weren't able to keep up. Zinchenko could not handle Walker. You know, Ben White was getting run off by Grealish. Jesus brilliant combative player but he just wasn't at it today stones it was too easy for him just all around the pitch it felt like you know back in the day in in the sort of banter era emirates era when we played man united that time and you know patrice ever was talking about men against boys it wasn't quite that it was just sort of men against smaller men i think really um so just the the physicality difference. And part of that was the size of them, but also part of it was just the physical intensity of where they're at versus where we're at. And it just, you know, between the two teams, you wouldn't think we were the ones playing one game a week by what we saw. Um, and I think that that's quite telling. So, yeah, we definitely need that pace and power in our midfield. But I think we also need some more explosive speed in our attack. Martinelli, an absolute speed demon, but there really isn't anyone else in our attack who has that kind of raw pace. Nelson's quick, Saka's quick, but they're not speedy. You know, they're not like monster pace. And I think we need a bit more of that. And also potentially even some size um, because we had absolutely no outball. So if that's the case, we absolutely need all of our players to be able to play through presses with elite passing. Because otherwise you need an outball and we don't have one. 
We still have the Nketiah-Balogun situation to resolve, so I don't know if a centre-forward is on the agenda. So that might mean that the wide forward we're interested in might have to be sort of a tall wide forward with a lot of pace. I don't know how many of them are on the market, but it does kind of tell you why we might have been interested in the likes of Mudrik, despite his challenges he's having. Um, yeah, it, will be, it, it remains to be seen what we do about that. Um, Gakpo, for example, is that kind of profile. He's at Liverpool. Remains to be seen whether he comes good, although it looks like he's sort of starting to turn a, go- turn a corner a little bit and starting to perform. So yeah, we'll see what the what the club are doing in that regard. But this is where we are in the development of the team. And, you know, that's more than okay. We're second best at the moment, but only to a team as good as Man City are right now. And of course, we still have to see what the outcome of, you know, the investigation into them um, brings and whether or not that impacts anything in terms of their standing in the league and everything else. No idea what's going to happen with that. No idea where it goes. And honestly, no idea when it all even comes to fruition, when it will end. So... We just remain to be seen. Until then, we can't do anything else but focus on ourselves. Ordinarily, I'd say, you know, the boys can be proud and they can be of their performance overall. Not of the night they had on Wednesday, but of their overall performance for the season. So now their job is to finish the season like they started it by demonstrating that they're levels above everybody else in the league. Just want to say as well, the away support, sensational. You could hear them. It, You know, the Etihad was fully packed and we could hear hear the away crowd over the home crowd for large chunks of the game so shout out to the away crowd as well phenomenal support as always it is what it is it ended how it ended we go again um that's it for me nothing else to say really wanted to get that episode done out released because to be honest i didn't want to watch that game again i don't want to think about that game again i that is being co-signed to the black hole in my mind where most traumatic events go that I just do not want to relive and that is one of them so in it goes done that's it for me people it's your boy Caesar here Um, you know where to find me at C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S and you know where to find us at the hybrid club at the hybrid club on the socials please do like subscribe follow retweet repost share all of that good shit um Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being there with us. It's kind of cathartic to talk about this stuff, which is why I quite like doing it. Um, So yeah, nothing else to say for me. Thank you very much, people. Um, We've got Chelsea coming up. Let's just go out and batter Chelsea. We can't be giving them points. They look atrocious. They've still got to play us, Newcastle. I think they've still got to play both Manchester clubs even. We can't be giving them points. So for if nothing else, boys, let's just redeem ourselves by absolutely battering Chelsea on Tuesday night. All right, people, I'm leaving it there. Have a good one. Enjoy your weekend in a bit, in a bit. Gabriel Martinelli!